News Talk 1110-993-WBT, hour number two. A reminder, next hour, starting off the, pro, uh, the, uh, the program, the hour at two, it's going to be uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson joining me. Stick around for that. Uh, the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department introduced a new public information policy that officials say is meant to streamline the information gathering process. That's from WSOC-TV Channel 9's Allison Latos. Uh, she said, uh, or she got a sit down with the police chief, Johnny Jennings, noting that there are concerns that the policy may actually be hindering timely access to information. Jennings says, no, that's not the case. He says, when you're answering over 100 calls and emails a day, well, that's it? Just 100 a day? Calls and emails? I wish I only got 100 a day. I'm not even law enforcement. <laughs> I get I get hundreds a day. Hundreds. He says it can be overwhelming for people and taxing. We were getting really closely to the point where we just couldn't accommodate that anymore, so we had to basically kind of drop back and punt and let's see how we can be more effective within that unit to be able to handle the plus 600 public records requests that we've already had this year. They've had 600 public records requests this year. And from what I understand, a lot of those have never been fulfilled. He says, I think those should be priority, those requests that we have to be able to provide any information. We get several of those, probably more than anyone in the city, and we have to accommodate for that as well. Right, rather than, I don't know, maybe make some of this stuff more open at the front end instead of acting as the gatekeeper and then having to, you know, dole out the information as you go. Maybe that's a better alternative, sort of like the PACER system with the courts, you know, where you get access to all the court filings and all of that because it's public information. If it's public information, it makes more sense to just put it up there, make it accessible immediately and not have to go through the hoops, right? Anyway, there was a question that she asked. Um, Yeah, here it is. Sometimes information that we're seeking as media is not available on the CMPD app or on the website. And there are a couple of examples that I just kind of want to talk through with you. So after the 2020 protests that happened in the city, we submitted a records request. My colleague, Joe Bruno, asked specifically about the purchase of chemical agents within a period of time. It took him two years to get a response. And the response was one word. Is that prompt? That's a great question. That is not a timely response. That is not prompt. It doesn't take, it should not take you two years to track that down. And Jennings said, no, it's not prompt. I don't know what the specifics of that, so I can't really speak on that in general. But what I can tell you is that there are a lot of times that things are not public record for the public, such as means and methods are concerned. This is... This is how much chemical agent have you purchased. That's it. What's the stock look like? Do you have any idea? I understand that might take you some time. I also don't expect it to take two years. So we wouldn't provide you with full details of how much equipment we have or how many personnel that we have for a specific event. right? He, According to WSOC, 
They asked for, they asked about the purchase of chemical agents within a set period of time. You're telling me that that jeopardizes means and methods of police enforcement? We're not asking for troop movements, right? All all he was asking for was like, what was your budget? How many, how much of this stuff? Because remember, there was a discussion about banning these types of agents. So if you're going to inform the public about this campaign to ban these certain chemical agents, as a journalist, you should probably figure out how much does the city have? How much does it spend on this stuff? Because what if it was zero? What if the city didn't buy any of it and the activists who are demanding you stop buying it, what if they were wrong and that you weren't buying any? You didn't have any. Wouldn't that be part of the story to tell too? See, there's an assumption built in to the position that Chief Jennings and CMPD has taken here. There's an assumption that the information that they provide is total and wholly uh, responsive. That it's total in that they're giving you all the information they can and it's wholly responsive. Before they even know what your questions are, they're going to give you all the information. I, I, I could tell you, I covered a lot of press conferences. In my life, I have sat through a lot of press conferences. And this is one of the things I've talked about it during COVID as well, where you don't get the same kind of press conference on Zoom as you do in person. Because reporters in a pack will listen to a question from one reporter and then another one will have an idea based on what that other reporter thought or said, right? And, and then they'll follow up and they're like, you didn't answer his question. I have a follow-up to her question. You, you said this. I just want to clarify. And reporters, because they are individual human beings, they are able to come up with different questions. Now, yes, there are really stupid questions, granted. I mock them. I mock the stupid questions. And God knows during COVID, there were tons of them. But but you're asking the questions for a reason, because you're not getting information, right? And for CMPD to assert, well, we put out a press release on our website, so you should just look at the press release. And we're not going to say anything else about that. You're assuming that you've thought through all of the information that can be divulged. And that's not possible. It's not. You know how many press conferences I've been to where the police will get up there, they make their statement, and then they open it up for questions, and they tell you ahead of time, they'll say, and I I, I say this on any interview I do with law enforcement or lawyers, I always say the same thing. Like, I'm not trying to jeopardize your investigation. I'm not trying to jam you up. So if you can't say, that's fine. Tell me you can't say. But I I have questions about some of this stuff. And I try not to ask questions that I know they're not going to be able to answer. But how many press conferences start off with the statement, they then open it up for questions, and then they answer more questions? Things that are not in the press release, things that were not in their statement, get teased out. And so when you – look, I'm not advocating – and I actually agree with them on on one of their policy changes, which was we're not going to do like the, the weekly press conferences. Okay, you don't want to do the weekly press conferences? Fine. Because if there's nothing going on, then why do we need to have it? I understand. You don't have the resources to devote to doing a press conference and trying to figure out. But that's the thing, too. You could you could just go down there and say, hey, you know what? We're going to be here every single Wednesday at noon. 
show up if you got questions on anything, and we'll take your questions then. You could do it like that. Just have it like an open line Wednesday or something, right? Open line Friday. You just come on down and ask whatever questions, submit your stuff, and that, and you just do it like that. It doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to have a theme. You don't have to have a point to your press conference always. But I understand if you don't want to do the weekly briefings. Maybe go to a monthly briefing system or something like that. I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm more sensitive to that from CMPD's perspective. I, uh, that's a, a little bit more understandable than this idea that, like, we're not even going to just return your calls. We're, you know, we're going to put out a statement on our website. We're not going to tell you that it's on the website. So you just basically have to he- keep refreshing, I guess. Or you're going to have to download the CMPD app. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. And in communications, perception's a pretty big part of the gig. It really is. All right, let me get to some of the audio from last night's city council meeting. Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Chief Johnny Jennings told the council that, look, this media policy shift, it's not really that big of a change at all. There's a perception that there's some drastic change that's going on with our, uh, with us in the media. Uh, and they may perceive it that way, but it's certainly not. This is no different uh, than you're talking, asking the question, how did they get that information? We're not withholding information. We're still going to be providing that information, press releases. Uh, we're still going to be doing all of that so that the media can have uh, some data that they can report. Uh, but what we can't do is continue to take calls from every single uh, outlet on a regular basis and and meet their deadlines uh, based on phone calls and emails. We will be putting that same information out. Nothing's going to change. Uh, and we'll be able to provide the media with, with as much information as we possibly can when we can. Some of the issue goes in when there are certain investigations or things that we can't release that we have to wait and get more data. But what we can release, we will be releasing. So that information's not going to be um, unavailable to the public. We'll, we'll make that available to the media, just like we always have. But that's, see, that, that's, this is why Mark Garrison said that what Chief Jennings is saying is deceptive at best, because it is changing, and it's not going to be readily available, because you're acting as the gatekeeper on the front end. So if you're not going to take the phone calls because you say you don't want to be the call center for the media. And look, I get this is there. I understand part of the argument here is the uh, the media sucks. Right. I mean, like I, I get that. Right? I understand you got people that are calling and uh, they've never worked in news before. Right. They are right out of college. They have they have no idea what they don't know. They get uh, a, a position for, you know, 28k a year and uh they're uh, sitting on an assignment desk or something and they're making phone calls for anything that comes across the scanner there are literally people who sit i mean there used to be i don't know they fired everybody in the newsroom which of course is another problem where you don't have a lot of staff any longer in the newsrooms you used to have people that would just cover the cop beat or cops and courts they would call it but if you were the if you were the cop beat guy or gal right you would then have Sources. You could call the police officers that you know. You would have relationships. You could cultivate that sort of thing. And when you have newsrooms that get decimated because of cuts 
right? The same problem about staffing that CMPD is facing. Newsrooms have been facing, too. So I get that. And I also get that you got these, you know, young kids coming out of college. They don't have any idea what they're doing, and they're making phone calls about really stupid things, right? I get that. Totally understand. Have you heard of a thing called Google Assistant? Oh, it's a fantastic feature on my phone. Have you ever? Yeah, where Google will uh, will do like an automated answering service for you. You just say, do you want to use Google Assistant? You say yes as the phone call comes in. You hit yes. And then it says, uh, hello, this is Google Assistant. Uh, the person you are trying to reach is using Google Assistant. So please... Uh, yeah, you know, uh, state your message, you know, your name and who you're, uh, what you are seeking information about, whatever. And then you actually see it come through in real time. In you'll see the, the person's voice to text. You see what they're saying. And if you want to take the call, then you could take the call. Or you just send it to the to voicemail. Maybe something like that. I, I, I don't know. I, you know I'm, I'm all about solutions here. I'm just trying to figure out a way forward. Because I don't trust that CMPD is going to provide all the information because they're human beings. They're not going to be able to think of all of the pieces of information that can and should be divulged. So I, I, I don't think that this is a, I don't think it's a good system. Malcolm Graham city councilman called it a subtle change and said, maybe it wasn't handled as well as it could have been. You know, the perception here is what matters. Talk 1110-993-WBT. Charlotte City Council got an update on the crime stats. I will get into that, too. But um, they also uh, heard from the chief of police about their new media uh, interaction policy, Councilman Malcolm Graham. He said, this is, uh, it sounds like a subtle change here, Chief. I don't know why everybody's getting so upset about it. When I first, I read about it in the news, I, and then I got a report from city staff that uh, it's all in the presentation. Uh, and I think if we could have done a better job rolling it out, uh, certainly before the council should have known, before the public knew, so that some of the questions that are being asked now could have been asked before it got out there. But I'm, I'm hearing it, but I, I just put it out there that um, we, we got to have a, a department, um, and, and under your leadership, I'm so proud of what you've done over the last two years. I think you know that uh, for sure. but. Um, Transparency, I think now is an appropriate time to use that word around this size. Uh, it's, it's really important on this on this topic. Uh, I understand the subtle change that you talked about, um, but it certainly wasn't reported that way out. And I think it's all yeah. in the presentation. And, and, and I appreciate that. And, and I will say that um, this this was not it wasn't expected to, as far as what we're dealing with. Uh, but what I will tell you is it simply was an adjustment to immediate responses to try and answer questions that uh, that we just don't have the capacity to do. And it was also simply going from the mandatory two-week press conferences to just doing as needed. We're not shutting any of that down. So to think that it would have reached this level, uh, this magnitude is, is uh, kind of surprising. Me. Certainly, if someone's doing something bad in the city, um, you're going to make sure everybody knows what's happening. Oh, certainly. That, none of that changes. None of that stops. Thank you. All right. So maybe, again, if they had somebody with some sort of media expertise, 
to help navigate this new policy. Maybe that would have been helpful. I don't know. Um, Councilman Tark Bakari said the inability to to, uh, to staff press conferences or the public information office is indicative of a larger problem, even if the change to the policy might not be that big of a deal. I've looked into it deeply. I believe that um, the approach they've taken makes sense. I think it probably could use a little tweak uh, around the edges of, you know, here are some SLAs or protocols by which this kind of information will send out this way, just another level of detail. But I think once that's done, uh, it'll serve its purpose now. But the broader context has to be understood, which is we can't keep our 911 call centers appropriately staffed. You know, this is a fundamental across the board issue that all resorts back to quality of life. And in this case, employer of choice. So I really think that's something that we should dive into deeply and provide the chief the support he needs to make sure that, you know, this entire police department knows we're going all in on that. Right. But Mark Garrison, WBT's news director, says that the public information office is fully staffed. So this isn't the 911 call center. So I'm not really sure what that was about. Then here is Ed Driggs. Councilman Driggs said he had a discussion over the weekend with the mayor pro tem, Braxton Winston, uh, who has, you'll be happy to know, updated his Twitter profile to include the mayor pro tem uh, honorific in the name. Um, But he had a conversation with Braxton Winston, who also, by the way, asked uh, the first question of the chief about this. Um, And you'll recall Braxton Winston rose to prominence during the anti-cop riots after the police shooting of Keith Lamont Scott. There is an intrinsic tension that we need to confront between the actions that CMPD needs to take to keep us safe and the perception that their behavior is intrusive or hostile. I don't think we've worked it out. We're doing a lot of good work here. but, but, but there is a, a conflict, a fundamental conflict there. You need a strong presence. Uh, you, you need active engagement by officers. They're on the front line of our fight against violence, against harm that comes to our citizens, most of whom are, are in the African-American community. So I think we need to uh, continue to address that and always demonstrate our support for our officers. They need to know that we are are grateful for their service, for the risks they take, for their engagement, and that if there is a bad officer, we will come down hard, but we will not generalize to other officers because of one person's behavior. Right, so is this uh, essentially a response to media coverage that the cops don't like because it makes police look bad and that's harming recruitment and retention efforts? Is that the the idea that... That the media is to blame for the anti-cop rhetoric and the anti-cop sentiment? Is that the case? Because I would submit, you know, not all media engage in that kind of uh, whipping up the crowds, you know. Charlotte Meckler Police Chief Johnny Jennings also updated Charlotte City Council members on crime. There have been 82 homicides in Charlotte so far. That's higher than the same time last year. Violent crime is up 2% as well. Gun violence involving juveniles is the main concern he has, he said. According to numbers presented last night, there have been 118 juvenile suspects involved in gun-related offenses. 118. The chief said 482 juveniles have been victims of crimes involving guns. A major effort has been violence prevention at the school level, he said. 
And I would add to that, uh, that's going to look different than adult violent crime intervention. Now, um, CMPD said uh, previously that gun crimes committed by minors is one of the biggest problems they're seeing. To make matters worse, police say minors in some of the cases are not prosecuted as adults and end up being released back to their caretakers to reoffend. He also said last night that the state law that Republicans passed, that criminal justice reformers wanted passed, the raise the age law, um, that they were not fully prepared to see the ramifications of what happened. They were not fully prepared for that. In other words, you've got juvenile offenders that are suffering no punishment and they are immediately being released back to their, quote, guardian or parent who is not doing much guardianing at all or parenting, and the kids then go right back out and reoffend. And so maybe there needs to be some sort of a reexamination uh, of that. Meanwhile, down in Rock Hill, officials talked about school safety after three guns were found in one week on school campuses. These were at, uh, let's see here, do, do I have the schools listed. It was uh, South Point, I want to say, was one of Well, uh, that's in the other story. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Three guns found, three different uh, campuses. Rock Hill Police Chief Chris Watts, according to Fox 46, was joined by York County Sheriff Kevin Tolson. Rock Hill school officials say there is a mix of 37 armed and unarmed officers in the schools. Camera technology and random safety checks will continue. Have they considered clear backpacks? I know where you might be able to get a deal on those. Just uh, give me a call. News Talk 11, 10, 99, 3, WBT. Yeah, South Point High School, Rock Hill High, Dutchman Creek Middle School. Guns found all in the same week. Three guns, one week, three different Rock Hill schools. So they had a, a big meeting down there with some local law enforcement officials, you know, police chief and the sheriff. Uh, and I saw uh, Kevin Brackett, solicitor. He was there as well. He said... Uh, The justice system has a role to play when it comes to deterring this type of crime, sending a message and making sure the kids will be held accountable. Kids must be held accountable. They know better in many cases. Um, Solicitors like the DA. And so I I hadn't seen his name in forever. Uh, When I was reading the piece, oh, Kevin Brackett, he was the uh, co-counsel or co, yeah, I guess he was the, he helped Tommy Pope. Tommy Pope was the solicitor at the time when the Jimmy Robertson trial occurred. This would have been 99, 1999. And uh, I covered that trial. Court TV came to Rock Hill, that, or yeah, York County. They, they carried the trial live. Jimmy Robertson murdered his parents in Rock Hill um, and then tried to stage a break-in and drove uh, up to his brother's house in Philadelphia at the time. And that's where they arrested him. And his girlfriend told police where all of the, uh, the murder weapons were and everything. And, uh, it was a terrible, I mean, just a terrible story. And actually me and uh, like my, I and my friends knew him, Jimmy Robertson. He had been stalking one of our girlfriends, one of our friends. And, uh, so we like set up a patrol outside of her house and we caught him. 
And then she got worried about what we were going to do, so she called the cops on him. Uh, and, and the cops showed up, and uh, about a month or so later, uh, he murdered his parents. Yeah, James Robertson. I think he's actually now, he try, he's trying to appeal now, and they, I, mean, I still remember the trial. I actually, I actually have all of the, um, all of the cassette tapes from the trial. I have no idea if they still work, but I, because I would record on an old Marantz tape recorder, and so I would plug into the court TV board because they set up all the mics. So I plugged in, and I got, and I still have the whole trial on, um, uh, on cassette tape. And there was a point where I actually had to go up to Tommy Pope and say, uh, "Hey, you called one of my friends to the stand. His uh, his testimony was ruled inadmissible. The judge said, no, uh, we're not going to listen to." that um uh to that testimony this was about the our sting operation where we caught him because he was stalking her and he cut her screen uh to the window like he was outside her window he cut the screen and we recognized him from the bar where a couple of my friends worked and so he was hanging out there and he followed her home he started stalking her anyway so uh my friend actually was called to testify so afterwards well before the judge had ruled it i went up to the i went up to tommy pope and i was like so uh I was there that night. Do you need me to, I don't know, disclose that or anything? <laughs> like, I'm not trying to jam you up here. But anyway, Kevin Brackett, he was at the meeting as well. Uh, and uh, in court, September 6th, officials said one of the students was just released from juvenile justice on another weapons charge. Another one of the, uh, the students was on probation after a gun-related charge in another part of the state. Repeat offenders, folks always the case it is it is so rare to quote van brett watkins the trigger man for ray caruth that you take murder as your first charge he was talking about ray caruth a spokesperson for rock hill schools told channel 9 that the district is responding to the incidents by increasing random searches again the clear backpacks guys i mean as long as you don't eat the backpacks I don't think you'll get the cancer. That's what the warning is about from California. The tags on the bags there. If you eat like seven backpacks, I think it gives you cancer. Don't eat the backpacks. All right. The district held a special safety forum last night uh, with parents and students and law enforcement with the goal of hashing out ideas that will keep guns out of schools. We have a lot of community members stepping up to say they can help. They can do something. Here's an idea. So they wanted to give a space where we hear all of that feedback. I'm not sure. Are they going to do, let's see here. Uh, this is from the WSOC TV story. The district safety and security director pointed to Rock Hill School's growing number of preventative measures like single point entry, 2,000 cameras district wide that shoot lasers at offenders. No, I'm kidding. They don't actually do that. So they're not, they're not going to stop any crime. Um, and officers placed in all the schools. No metal detectors, though. No metal detectors? Maybe not. I don't know. This seems like an idea. Oh, and then did you hear um, about the Democratic congresswoman who had her house burglarized, burgled? Anyway, Democratic California Representative Karen Bass said Saturday two firearms were stolen from her home in a break-in despite being securely stored, quote-unquote. Are they securely stored if they're stolen? No. Last night, she says, I came home and discovered that my house had been broken into and burglarized. She called LAPD. 
And those are the only things taken. Cash, electronics, valuables were all within eyesight. None of them taken, just the guns. She's running for mayor, and she just the other night at a debate said she feels totally safe, and she could walk around anywhere in L.A. and be totally safe. Democratic Congresswoman Karen Bass. All right, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson up next. Stick around. (laughs) 